This is Kyle Tully, and you're listening to the Consulting Tycoon Podcast. This week, we're talking about how to find profitable consulting niches. Because when it comes to consulting, the riches really are in the niches. You see, the digital marketing consultant space is really crowded. There's a lot of people making a lot of the same claims and everyone just ends up sounding the same. So it's going to be much more profitable for you to be a big fish in a small pond. And some niches really are better than others. So let's get started. A year or two ago, I ran a training for some of my inner circle clients and I advised them to specialize or die. And I really believe that's the case, especially if you're a a fairly small or independent consultant. So if you're struggling to get clients, if you feel like you're always hustling and you're always chasing business and there's very little organic growth, there's very little referral business coming in or the referral business you get is kind of sporadic and and not really the type of clients you want to be working with, then you're probably going to find the answer to that challenge is to specialize. There's been some reports that have come out over the last few years showing the different trends in how people are working with consultants, and there's been two specific trends there. The first is that some clients are looking for an agency who can do everything, who can build their website, do the SEO, do the pay-per-click advertising, um, you know, do their content for them, manage their social media. They just want to deal with one agency who does everything. And if you're a big agency and you've got a lot of talented staff on hand, you can do that and be quite successful at it, although the margins are really, really thin. The other trend is the trend towards more specialized agencies. Some businesses are working with up to 14 or 15 different agencies for all their different needs. And this works a lot better um, in terms of you know doing uh, ad hoc projects and stuff like that. You can bring an agency in to do a certain campaign, but not have to have that talent in-house and or on the books the whole time. You're also going to find by specializing, you have a built-in USP. You know, when you go into a certain market or you become really good at solving a certain problem, that unique selling proposition, you don't have to fabricate that. It doesn't have to be created out of nothing. It comes from the fact that you really do have something unique about your service offering. And that's a really powerful thing when it comes to creating offers and writing copy and really um, appealing to a specific target market. You're going to find your marketing is so much easier to land on target because that target is so much better defined rather than just trying to be everything to everyone or or everything to every small business you can be really specific about hey if you're in this industry and you've got this challenge and you're looking for this outcome we can help you and we're the best in the world at it it's so powerful and you're going to find that targeting message to market match is just a hundred percent more spot on than when you're a generalist Because of that, you're going to have better attraction. You're going to get better referrals, not just more referrals, but better referrals coming in who are more like your ideal client, who are like the clients that you want to be working with. You're going to find it a lot easier to charge premium prices because they feel like you've got the perfect solution for them. And you do because you've actually specialized and you've got really, really good at solving a specific problem for a very tightly defined prospect. So you've deserved premium prices. Not only that, but because you get really good at solving these problems and you can charge premium prices, you've got much bigger margins to play with, which means you can bring in better expertise and get even better at solving these problems, more efficient at solving these problems. So now you're not just charging more, but you're doing the work in less time. Your systems become much better. Your efficiency at solving the problem 
increases dramatically. And rather than constantly feel like you're always learning something new on every project and constantly you know, educating yourself on how to solve a, a prospect's challenge, which is intellectually really stimulating, but financially <laughs> extremely bad for business, um, you'll find that that all goes away and you just get really good at executing your system for that specific business. And that can sound kind of boring to the you know, entrepreneurial spirit who wants to go out there and always be innovating and changing and solving problems. But you'll find that even within this tight specialization that you go after, there's always going to be room for innovation. There's always going to be things that you do within that system that you're innovating on and getting better at. And all of those things let you scale. The hardest thing to do with a consulting business is to scale it when you're trying to do everything. When you're building websites and doing SEO and doing pay-per-click, doing the conversion rate optimization, writing the content for them, posting on social media, managing the social media for them, doing their email marketing. Like there's a 50 people job in there doing all that stuff and it's impossible to scale unless you've got a really big business. So in terms of what we're talking about when we specialize, there's three main ways that I've seen people successful in their specialization. The first is the most obvious one, and that's by industry. So you might go into the accounting industry or the lawyer industry or plumbers or you know carpet layers or roof tilers or any industry you can possibly think about. And I'll give you a, a few different resources for how you can figure out all the different industries there are out there in the world because there's a lot of weird ones that you wouldn't necessarily think are good businesses and really, really are. So that's the first one, by industry. The second one is by your service. You can be a specialist website builder or SEO company or AdWords agency. And third is by the problem that you solve. So you might be really good at helping people generate leads. You might be really good at reputation management. Or you might be really good at um, getting people a website that brings them in their high-value ideal clients. And quite often what many of my students have found to be the best is to have some kind of combination of those three. So maybe you build websites for a certain segment of the lawyer market and you're really good at building them lead generation websites. Now, if you contact a lawyer and you say, hey, we're an established lawyer marketing business. We've built 25 lawyer websites in the last year. Here's five of our best case studies for the number of leads we've generated. And then someone else contacts that same lawyer and says, hey, we build websites for everyone and we've got some nice designs over here and we helped this guy over here generate some leads and we worked with a bookkeeper and an accountant and we did some great work for a plumber. That is so much less appealing to someone than the specialist. The specialist is always going to appeal to them so much greater. And I hope that's obvious to you guys. So let's get stuck into... Um, the nitty-gritty of finding niches and finding good niches. So this is what I like to call your million-dollar market. The million-dollar market is any market where you can have a million-dollar business. So that could represent you know, 100 clients paying you $1,000 a month. It might be 33 clients paying you about $2,500 a month. Or it could be one client paying you eighty-five grand a month. It doesn't really matter how you segment it or how you structure your business. There's no right or wrong way to do it. But the million-dollar market is the industry that can pay you that much money, and there are thousands of them out there. When you look at the three different ways to niche by industry, by service, or by problem, and all the various combinations, there are literally thousands of different combinations where you can build a million-dollar business because there are just so many clients out there. 
So I'm going to give you my market criteria. This is the criteria that I've put together that I personally have found where I find my best clients. And every time I've gone off track and ignored one part of this criteria and taken on board a client who didn't tick one of these boxes, I've regretted it. There's been very, very few times where I've gone against my own criteria and had a good result. So a lot of my um, students and clients and friends and colleagues have also used this criteria. Uh, Many of them have modified it in their own different ways to suit their own business and their own specialty, etc. But this is a really good starting place. So first of all is I'm looking for buyers. A buyer is a buyer is a buyer. In other words, I'm selling people essentially advertising services, right? We specialize mostly in AdWords and lead generation via pay-per-click marketing. So we're essentially selling them some kind of advertising service. So I want people who are already spending money on advertising, whether that's already spending money on AdWords, which is great, or maybe they're still advertising in newspapers or magazines, maybe yellow pages, maybe they're just spending money on SEO and now they want to upgrade and get more leads. Maybe they're spending money on radio or television, trade magazines, any of these kind of things are really good signs. Likewise, if they're going to trade shows, they can be really expensive exercises. These guys are throwing down you know, five, sometimes six figures to be at a trade show and attend and, and put up their booth and all that kind of stuff. So again, a really good sign that they're out there hustling and spending money to get more business. If they've got a sales team, that's another great sign that they could be a potential client because again, they're spending money to close business. They're spending money on salespeople whose sole job is to bring more clients and make them money. So there's a a very big financial incentive there for them to be getting new clients. Next up is, can they afford my services? This sounds really basic, but I think one of the single most common problems people um, face, especially when they're just getting starting out, is going after way too small clients who are never going to afford what you want to charge. And this feeds this whole cycle of, getting bad clients who can't afford your services. So you do kind of a small half-assed job for them because that's all you can afford to do. They don't get the results. They don't have the in-house talent or experience to close the leads that you maybe do generate them. And so you don't get a, a good result for them. You don't get a case study. You don't get a testimonial. Meanwhile, you've spent a couple of weeks working for this client. You've now run out of money and you're back where you started. So I'm looking for people who can afford my services. Typically, that's going to mean if we're talking about a solo entrepreneur who I've had some good success with, they've got to be doing at least a hundred grand a year to even consider working with us. For more established businesses who have you know offices and these kind of expenses, somewhere in that two to ten million dollar revenue range is my sweet spot personally. Now I've had clients and, and students through our consulting tycoon program who have worked with hundred million dollar plus companies and been really really successful at it. So if you want to go to that end of town, you can and you can use these exact same strategies we're talking about. You just need to understand it's a slightly different market when you get to the corporate world. There's a bit more red tape. There's a bit more layers of people that you need to sell and sell through and you need to know how to navigate that field and I'm also looking for someone who not only can afford me but sees the gap they see the gap from where they're at right now and where they want to be next up value will they see that value so if they can see the gap there's a really good chance they're going to see the value because if they're currently doing two million dollars and they want to get to five million dollars they've got a three million dollar gap And the idea of investing a couple of thousand dollars a month to help them increase their business by that much over the next few years is just pennies compared to what they're going to get. Not only that, I want someone who's going to get value. 
I want to make sure I'm getting good value for my clients because then they're going to come back and they're going to pay me over and over and over again. We don't lock people into long-term contracts. We have a three-month initial trial period, and after that, it's just month to month. So every month, we're on the hook for getting them results. And if we don't get them good results for a couple of months in a row, they're going to be gone. Next market criteria is knowledge. Do I personally have knowledge of the market or does someone on my team have knowledge of this market or am I willing to go out and get it? Now, do I know how business works? Do I know the numbers of this industry? Do I know what it costs them right now to get a client? Do I know what their profit margins are on clients? Do I know how long clients typically stick around? Do I know where the real money is made in that business? If you don't know the answers to these questions, you're going to get laughed out of their offices trying to sell these people because they've faced a thousand salesmen in their life. You're not going to be the first person knocking on their door or sending a direct mail letter or doing a Facebook ad to them. These guys have seen hundreds, if not thousands of these type of things over the years, and they get really good at saying no to them. One of my favorite market criteria and the one I am using more and more as I get older and more experienced and more wise and also more selective is affinity. In other words, what I call the beer test. Would I want to go out after work and have a beer with this guy and if the answer is no I probably don't want to work with them as clients because yeah you can make some money but I've found that money only takes you so far for me life's about you know freedom and enjoyment and just hanging out and having fun with people I really enjoy that if we can make money on the side that's fantastic so that's what I really stress as my criteria is affinity for the business the industry the market and also the individuals I'm working with And finally, access. Can you get in front of these people? Can you do it cost effectively? Can you do it time effectively and lifestyle effectively? So there's some markets where you might have to go into their offices and meet with them in person to work with them. Or you might have to go and speak on stage at different events around the country in order to get the attention of the market. So for me, with my lifestyle, that rules those kind of markets out because I want to be able to work completely from home completely on my own hours whenever I want I don't ever want to have to leave the house because for me leaving the house I'm going surfing that's about the only reason I leave the house is either go surfing go mountain bike riding hang out with friends go see family I don't want to be traveling around to see clients now you may be different when I was younger I didn't have that criteria quite as strictly I was still pretty good with it but it wasn't as strict as it is now And I've got some students who that's what they want to do. They want to be out there meeting people and hustling and shaking hands and, you know, doing deals and having meetings. That's their idea of fun. And that's perfectly cool too. So in terms of idea generation for different niches, first of all, you're going to want to look at you because that's what all of this comes down to. Who are you? What are you good at doing? Who do you like working with? What type of personalities do you get along with? What problems are you able to solve out there in the marketplace better than average with the potential to be maybe the best in the world? That's always the first thing you want to look at. I've had students who had great success selling to dentists. Guess what? He was a dentist. I've had lots of students who have tried to go into the dental market against my best advice and they've really struggled. My best student who went into the plumber market, his whole family were plumbers. It's no coincidence. It's just so much easier to go into a market where you've got knowledge and experience and you look and sound like they do. It's not to say you can't have success in a market you don't have experience with. It's just going to be a lot harder and you've got to be prepared for that. 
other ideas, the Yellow Pages is still a really good place to go because there's a big listing of lots of different types of industries, lots of different types of business. Spend a weekend going through the Yellow Pages, looking around at all the different businesses who have clients who are spending over $1,000 a pop. There's a lot of them. Look around your house. Look at all the different things you've bought over the years. Look at the walls, the floors, the ceiling, the stuff that's in the house, the furniture, the computers. Each of those things represents multiple businesses. There's the manufacturer of those products. There's the distributor of those products. There's the retail stores of those products. There's the online e-commerce stores for those products. You should be able to come up with a list of 100 different markets just based on the stuff around your house. If you want some specific examples of niches that are proven money makers where people are actually making money right now, you want to check out my 2017 niche cheat sheet. It's on the homepage of consultingtycoon.com. Just a little opt-in pop-up there. Pop in your name and email address and I'll send that straight over to you. There's about 87 different markets I've put in there that are proven to work that either I personally have worked with or my students are working with. There's 30 different services that are selling really well right now. And I've also got a cheat sheet in there for my market criteria that we've just been through. So there's two different ways that you can then approach these markets and approach the niche and niche yourself down. The first is market-based and the second is offer-based. So market-based is when you choose a market based on something along the lines of the criteria we've just talked about. Then you go out and you find their problem and you develop a solution for it. The other way to go about it is the offer-based approach. This is where you decide on the service that you want to provide and then you find people who need it. And what I'll typically do when you know masterminding a new business or looking to go into a new market is I'll kind of switch back and forth between these two. So I'll look at a market and say, okay, well, I think there's an opportunity in here and I'll go out and I'll speak to some of the people in that market and I'll get their opinion on what the problem is. Then I'll come back and I'll look at it from an offer-based position and say, okay, well, if this is their problem, what kind of offer or solution can I come up with that's going to help them solve this? And I'll go back to them and see if there's a match there and kind of go back and forth until their eyes are like lighting up with dollar signs in them and they want to work with me. They want to buy that solution. So looking at markets, you can look at existing markets. Look for a subset of that market. Who in the market is being underserved? There's often solutions at the really high end of the market and at the really low end of the market. And there's a huge gap in the middle for those medium-sized businesses who you know maybe can't afford a $100,000 solution, would laugh in your face at a $100 solution, but would happily buy a $1,000 or $2,000 or $3,000 a month solution. What's the evolution of the market? Where are they going next? Looking at offer. What existing offer do you have that you could repackage or reposition? Maybe even just rename or reprice or retarget into a different market. For example, if you're currently just doing websites and SEO for any small business that will come along and you're charging around $3,000 or so, then just by shifting that offer in a slightly different direction, shifting how you target it and how you position it, you can sell the exact same thing 
to a different market who's going to get a much bigger result from that package offer so you can charge a lot more money. For example, if you position that same website and SEO package as a marketing system to get plastic surgeons more tummy tuck clients, you might be able to charge $15,000 for that with an ongoing monthly of well over $3,000. One of my coaching clients a couple of years ago made a very similar transition and went from selling the, the websites he was selling for $3,000 into a $50,000 year-long contract. If you're doing one-on-one social media coaching for businesses and you're charging $500 a month for these sessions, what if you can reconfigure it and reposition it as a million-dollar social branding group program and you charge $5,000 per person and you specifically targeted speakers or authors or consultants who need that service? Again, one of my workshop attendees did just this and last I heard she was on track for about half a million dollars. What about if you're an e-commerce consultant and you're just charging by the hour? Maybe you're charging good money. Maybe you're charging $200 an hour for e-commerce consulting. Well, the way I would look at that is I would try and figure out, okay, what's the 20% of stuff that I do for 80% of my clients that's getting them 80% of the results, right? What's that small little stuff that you do that you're just really good at, that you don't even think twice about, that you're doing for most of the people you work with, that's getting them the bulk of the results. Because this 80-20 factor is all over the world. It's everywhere in business. It's everywhere in our marketing. And if you look hard enough, you will find it. And then you can package up that little thing. It might be a conversion rate optimization package. It might be an AdWords shopping campaign package. It could be a copywriting package. It could be anything. But figure out what that thing that you're doing is that's getting them the biggest results. Package it up and sell just that to the people who can get the biggest result from it. And rather than charging 200 bucks an hour, you can charge $15,000 for your you know 2x conversion multiplier service. Specifically target e-commerce websites that are doing you know, $30,000, $100,000 a month or more. Who have great traffic, but maybe not the best conversions. So the way I look at this is the lean startup approach. We're looking at the hypothesis of should this product be built or should this business be created? A lot of the times the answer is no. A lot of people come to me and the business that they want to create or the business that they have created shouldn't really exist. The second question is can I build a sustainable business around this, this product or this service? Because if you're the guy doing all the work all the time, that's probably not going to be sustainable long-term. It's certainly not going to be a business you can sell down the track. And then we want to use really quick feedback loops, the build, measure, learn loops. So you want to build your minimum viable product. So what's the simplest little solution that you could take to the market and say, hey, I know you've got this big, massive problem over here, but what if we just solve this little part of it here? We think we can do this really well. We can do it for a great price. We think we're going to get you an awesome result. Take that to the market. Get some clients. See if you can make that work. Then measure how the customers respond. Do they buy it, first of all? Are they even interested? Measure the results. Are you able to get them the result? And then learn from that. You either pivot into a new hypothesis, solving a new problem or maybe going into a new market, or you persevere and you make your solution the best solution or you expand your solution or you grow it, or maybe you contract it based on what you've learned. 
but we just keep using those feedback loops. And the, the challenge I see a lot of people facing, and this is years after they even launch their business, is they get stuck in decision-making. They get stuck looking at three or five or ten different options, and they can sometimes stay stuck for months, if not years, trying to figure out which way they should pivot their business or which way they should launch a new business. And the truth is, rarely will you actually know the right way to do things. What typically happens as an entrepreneur is you make a decision and you either make that decision work or you learn as quickly as you can that it was the wrong decision and you change track. So you want to make these decisions fast. Get the idea out into the market and see if your decision resonates with the people you're trying to sell to. Because at the end of the day, it's the market that tells you whether your decision was right or not. doesn't matter how much thinking, how much planning, how much strategizing you do. You're never going to know if it was the right decision until you get it into the marketplace. So make that decision fast, learn on your feet, and listen to what the market is telling you. If you're struggling to get clients, if you're struggling to make money, then there's a real good chance what you're doing isn't the right direction. So I'd say the, the most common objection I get when I tell people they need to specialize further is, I feel like I'm limiting my options. Well, my question is, how many options do you have now? Because if people aren't beating a path to your door, then you don't have options. You've got ideas. You've got a fantasy in the future about what your options might be. But you don't actually have options. Now, if you are beating, beating clients off with a stick because they're just you know, just coming from every direction, you can't slow the beat of them, then you're probably not even listening to this podcast. You're probably too busy to even think about learning anything new. But if you're here listening to me now, there's a really good chance that you don't have quite as many options as you'd like. Most people I've worked with find the complete opposite is true, that by specializing, you actually appeal a lot more to a smaller segment and you become a bigger fish in a smaller pond. So if you aren't beating those clients off with a stick, then perhaps a new strategy is worth testing. Again, give it a shot. Go out there for a month or three months. Give it a a good, honest shot into a niche. And I think you'll be surprised at how quickly you can start generating results compared to trying to be a generalist. The next most common question I get is, I'm thinking about testing the X, Y, and Z markets, whatever those type of things could be. It could be I'm looking at either being a CRO specialist or a copywriter, or maybe I'm going to the SEO business. Look, I don't know what the answer is. I know successful people in pretty much every sub-niche of consulting in just about every industry you can think of. But I also know unsuccessful people in all those same industries. So it's not about the niche. It's not about the industry. It's about whether you are going to work in that industry and whether, frankly, you're going to put the work in to make it work. So don't get bogged down in choosing. There's a good chance you're not going to make the right decision. So make it fast, learn or fail fast, and then iterate based on what the market's telling you. You want to think of this as choosing the market for a marketing campaign, not choosing the market to niche your entire business around for the rest of your life. Right? These decisions aren't set in stone. A domain costs $9. You can put up a website over the weekend with a really cheap or free theme. The cost to test these ideas is very minimal, $100 on direct mail, and you can test a market. A couple hundred dollars on Facebook, you can test a market. 
But people get caught up in this trap of spending literally tens of thousands of dollars on information products looking for the holy grail answer of what direction they should go. When the reality is no information can tell you what direction to go, only the results of the market can tell you. The question I got in my community uh, just last week was, how long should I test a niche for? So big picture, I tend to work in three-month blocks, right? So I split the year up into quarters, and I have a big focus for each of those quarters in terms of the projects I'm working on, the niches I'm going into, the type of marketing we want to do. Then we reset and start all over again for the next quarter. So big picture, I will focus on one market for that whole time, unless it becomes really painfully obvious that I'm just not going to get any traction there. So if I've sent, you know, a hundred or a thousand direct mail letters and I haven't got any responses, or if I've had, you know, half a dozen or a dozen conversations with business owners and they just could care less about my solution, I'm going to change track pretty quickly. But I'm still going to have that three-month mindset of, okay, we've got this quarter here. Let's see what we can get done. Let's test, you know, this market here. Let's see how we go. If we start to get some traction, we'll double down on it. If we don't, we'll move on to a new one. So the main metric I'm looking at is contacts made to consultations booked. So for most people in most marketing um, campaigns or funnels that you set up, that's typically going to be what percentage of people coming through your funnel are taking the next step and booking a consultation or a strategy session. Because that's the key thing. Lots of people will opt in for free information. Lots of people will click on your Facebook ad. Lots of people will you know, download your ebook or whatever. Lots of people will attend a webinar because that's free and that's easy and the, the barrier to action there is really, really low. But a much smaller, smaller percentage of people are invested enough to get on a phone call with you. So that's my main metric I'm looking at when I'm testing these markets. So action steps from this week's podcast. Number one, do an 80-20 audit of your business. What are the 20% of things that you do for people that brings 80% of the results? You might even look at what are the 20% of industries that you're working in that are bringing you the best results? What are the 20% of problems that you're solving that are bringing you 80% of your results? These numbers exist, and it might not be 80-20, it might be 90-10, it might be 65-35, but these numbers exist where a small amount of work or a small amount of effort is bringing you much bigger reward than it really should. You want to go with that momentum. And likewise, flip that. What's the 80% of stuff that you do, whether it's the services you're providing, whether it's the industries you're working, but what's the 80% of stuff that you taking up all your time and there's very little reward? For me, my business, that was building websites. I found while the financial number of selling a website was great, you know, you get a $10,000 check in the mail, that's a really nice feeling. But when you're still working on that website two months later and people are going back and forth about font colors and all these kind of really, in my opinion, inconsequential things, quickly learned that it was just sucking up all our time and wasn't effective. Now, I know people who've got very, very successful website building businesses. That's all they do. They're really good at it, and they make millions and millions of dollars doing it. So for them, their um, 80% of stuff that's taking up the time probably isn't going to be websites because they've figured that out. They've got processes. They've got the right team members in place. My business, we didn't have that, so we just stopped doing websites, and our profits skyrocketed, and my personal time in the business went down. So step one is 80-20 audit your business. Step two, put together that big problem, high value solution offer. So what's the most impactful problem you can solve? 
Who would get the biggest benefit from you solving this problem for them? And what's the simplest way you can solve it? Now, if you had to say to someone, give me X and I will give you Y, you know, give me $5,000 and I will give you something, what's that going to be? What's that simplest offer you can make? So rather than going out there and trying to sell a complete website build for someone and doing their social media and doing some SEO and also throwing in some pay-per-click and doing all this stuff that in theory people maybe should be doing and sounds good and whatever, that's a very complex solution. There's a lot of moving parts. You're either going to be extremely tied to that project personally or need a, you know, a fairly wide range of staff or team members on hand to do that. And it's also hard to sell because there's so many moving parts. The person buying it probably doesn't really have a clue what you're trying to sell them. They probably bought a website two months ago. They're getting contacted by SEO people all the time. There's just a lot of friction to getting that sale. Rather than doing that, what's the simplest solution? For us, that typically means we put together a landing page and an AdWords campaign. We don't worry about the client's website. We don't worry about their SEO. We don't worry about all the other stuff that they could or should be doing and that maybe I personally could even help them with. We just focus on, we build them a conversion asset, which is a landing page with great copy, great call to action, great offer, and we put together an AdWords campaign. That's the simplest solution with the biggest bang for buck. Then down the track, if we want to upsell a website or if I want to you know, get a, some kind of affiliate commission by passing them off to a, a friend or client who can sell websites to them, we can do that. Number three, put together a niche marketing campaign. The next 90 days, next quarter, Focus on one market until you've figured out it's either going to work or not going to work. Once you figure out it's not going to work, pick the next market because you're not going to learn until you launch. And action step number four, go and download my cheat sheet. It's a really helpful guide. It's going to probably give you a whole bunch of ideas for different industries and different services you might not have even thought about. We've got 87 different markets that are proven winners, 30 different in-demand services, my own eight-point ideal client criteria checklist. That's over at consultingtycoon.com. There's a link at the very top um, on the main banner image on the homepage for you to download that. So that's it for this week's episode, guys. I hope you've found this valuable, how to find profitable consulting niches. As always, if you're getting value from the podcast, I'd love for you to check us out on iTunes and give us a review, give us a rating. Really appreciate that. Tell your friends about it. If you've got other friends who build websites or do SEO for people, we're in the consulting game in one way or another. Let them know about the podcast to get their word out there. Hopefully we'll get up to 15 subscribers soon. That would be fantastic, really changing lives. Thanks, guys. See you next week.